We have returned. We are back. Episode 35, and as I call it, the Frank Thomas, a.k.a. the Big Hurt of episodes. Roman Harper, beat that. I like that one. Beat that one. I really like that one. Beat that one. Frank Frank Hurt, I love uh, Frank Thomas. uh, I really like him growing up. You know, he was on all the time. I saw him growing up because on WGM was only the team you could watch was the White Sox. Cubs and White Sox. I mean, I saw him all the time. I love Frank Thomas. So who's your 35? My 35 is... Christian Okoye, running back, Kansas City Chiefs, the Nigerian nightmare. I like that. I like that a lot. And the reason he goes with that, because my brother used to play with him on Tecmo Bowl. He used to give me the business at times with this guy. And I always remember number 35, Kansas City Chiefs. How about that? Christian Okoye, Tecmo Bowl. The Nigerian nightmare. Can I throw in a few honorable mentions here? Can't wait. Ricky Henderson. Could have gone Ricky with, with number 35 there. That would have been good. It would have been good. It could have gone with uh, – hold on. That, that's a strange voice. we got to we got to introduce that properly here in a second. <laughs> Yogi Berra, another famous 35, New York Yankees. Let's not forget Yogi. So, Joe Morgan. Shout out Joe Morgan. I could keep going, but let's get to it. The weird voice you heard was uh, probably a little bit strangely like mine, maybe. Uh, he's related to me. My brother is here, the head baseball coach at Bluefield State University, and uh, for a good long while, a giant pain in my ass. My tiny – my little brother's here. Welcome – my little brother. Are you doing the, the, you're doing the Matt McConaughey thing from Wolf no, of Wall no, Street. I'm just, I, don't, not, I don't have all my hands, so I can't be uh, oh. clapping for him. But that was more. Oh, I got, oh, oh, I see. I'm not trying to blow up your spot. Drew, what's up, buddy? What's going on, guys? I thought that was Wolf of Wall Street. That's what I thought. That's the type yeah. of love I'm giving, though. Just yeah, that. that's what yeah. I thought, too. That's the type of love I'm giving. So, episode 35, we're here. Uh, he's in town because he is here working a Team USA baseball event. I'm pretty sure he told you all that by now. But he's in town, and he's working a Team USA baseball event because he's a professional baseball man. So, we figured why not uh, get him on because Roman wants to pepper him with some questions about some things. Right, Roman? Of course I do. I want to know about his championship run. You, you want to know about it? I do. I have to know. I mean, being in the SWAC – the first annual SWAC World Series, SWAC College Football World Series. No, college HBC, baseball. College baseball, sorry. HBCU World, World Series. HBCU World Series. And you bring home the chip. And you, I, we got you here. I'm jacked. I'm jacked. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, you let me know when you're Drew, ready. Can I, we, just I'm give ready. me like an upbringing. Like, you know, everybody doesn't know Kyle's brother's story, and I yeah. don't know it all either, but Kyle's always bragged about you, how great of an athlete you were. You being a pitcher and, and things yep. of that nature, and and also as you you're also coaching and teaching kids how to throw and do those mm-hmm. things now, it's just really cool. Kind of tell us your story, man. Give us a background. Give us a rundown. Uh, you know, grew up playing obviously with uh, Kyle and and everybody else, my older brothers and or my older brother and his friends, and I was definitely the better athlete, but um, <laughs> for, for sure, no no, <laughs> ar- no argument here. No, man. I'm just kidding. He, he got the better voice in the brains, but now, no, that I, is true too. I, I played. Does have I mean, I'm better looking too. Let's not played football. That Wide receiver, basketball, baseball, um, went D2, uh, you know, probably wasn't ready, Division One mentally, physically. I, I matured a little late, played three years at a D2, had a really good run, played in NCAA playoffs twice, and got drafted after my junior year, uh, played parts of four years in the minor What round were you drafted? 35th round. Um, what pick? Do you know? 11, I can't remember. Yeah, oh, I was so, wondering because, you it. know, when it's – but you know it's so different though, because in football you remember, but it's only seven rounds. So oh yeah, in baseball, fifty rounds when yeah. I got drafted. <laughs> like, there's no way you remember. you always three days <laughs> worth of picks. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I, a time. yeah, I can't. I just remember I got when I got drafted. I called my dad and I was like, the, I told him the Diamondbacks and clearly wasn't the Diamondbacks. I don't know why I said that. And then he was telling people at work the Diamondbacks. I had to call him <laughs> back. I was like, no, it was the A's. You well, know? You know what the f- <laughs> 
You know what the funny thing about that day? I remember a couple things. I won't. I won't tell them all. But he, I was sitting with him when he got the call. Oh, nice. And he got the call from the guy in Oakland with the Oakland A's. And uh, I guess what they asked you, they said, uh, you know, if we if we draft you, are you going to sign? Right. Is what right, they right. asked you. And uh, I think you said I'll call you back. And he was like, they and they, they said, won't draft you if you say no. Well, I mean, you're giving them a heads up, I guess. But well, they will. They just don't want to waste a pick on somebody that's right. not yeah, signable. Yeah, yeah. Right. You yeah. know, somebody that's sure. going to go to. Especially in round 50. Like, uh, they want the 35th round. 35th yeah. Round, they yeah. they right. want to get guys. They need bodies. You know, basically, I always said in the minor leagues that 90% of the guys are there so the other 10% can get reps. You know, I mean, that, that's that's really what it was. Really? I mean, my second year with the A's, I, I had a really good year. Uh, I think I had, was 5-0 and with like a 2 ERA. And mm-hmm. my last 20 innings or something, I still remember. I gave like one run. But, yeah, 90% of those guys are there for, for the top guys, the money guys, to get reps. You know, I'm playing with the Big Ten Pitcher of the Year and – all these guys that played Division One baseball, and I'm like, man, I'm I'm way better than you, you know. Like, and I, I come from I can't, and not I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but I'm just like, you know, and it was true. But it but, but it almost like humble beginners, like, dude, you it, you didn't even know because you just mm-hmm. knew your own path. Yeah, that's but it. But then when you get around other talented guys, it's the same way. I I guess uh, as you may see in recruiting now, mm-hmm. now being a college head coach, recruiting. Do you have those same feels where you have to go in these places and find these kids that maybe not everybody knows? Get overlooked. They are missing a tool, mm-hmm. you know. So maybe similar to football, you know, kids got good hands but actually doesn't have breakaway speed. Whatever, but he can catch the football. Mm-hmm. Same, same in baseball. You got a guy missing a tool or something, gets overlooked, comes from a really poor upbringing, yep. you know, can't got a lot of siblings, can't afford to go out of state to that Division One, whatever it may be, um, but. Yeah, you got to find the right fit in these kids. And recruiting, that's my favorite part. Um, everything else is great, coaching on field. But I like to get out and, and see some kids. So That's really cool. That's the Not best. every coach says that. That's the best. I love recruiting. And so, and so you also understand that what are you going to do when all of a sudden – you you and I'm not talking about you moving on yet, but I mean you did win a championship, so eventually you you may have to move on and you know go. Well, this year was you know traditionally our program's not been very been bad, just to be quite frank. Okay. Uh, we had our first winning season in school history this year, and we won a championship, so it was a big first year for the school and the institution. But I coached the entire yeah. season. I had I had a part time guy who was a teacher, but. I ran most practices by myself, you know, so I got a full staff this year, but I, I, I ran, I honestly ran, I'd be throwing bad in practice, have the guys take a break. I'm in the bullpen working with the pitchers and then I'm like, Hey, okay, I'm back over here. Um, you know, <laughs> it's a lot, it's a lot, but you know, you got to love it. If you, if you coach, you're not doing it for money uh, unless right. you get to the power five level and yeah. you know, but, but you still, I don't think you still get the same gratification satisfaction if you're doing it for the money. So I, right. I love that. I want to help these kids. Well, I mean, it helps. You've got a successful business on the side, too. He trains a lot of kids. He's he's helped a lot of kids get to school and play elsewhere that, you know, didn't play for him. He's put a lot of kids, you know, in Division One, Division Two, and he's got a lot to be proud of. But I tell you what, the the day he got drafted, they called him and he said, uh, they said, hey, call us back. Are are you going to sign if we draft you? So he looks at me and he says, "Uh, what do you think? And I was like, yeah, it's the 30. Yeah. You want to? sit around and wait for somebody else to call we got stuff to do <laughs> so you know he yeah okay so he calls him back they draft him um and, and the joke was then that um billy bean at the time the other there was an andrew bailey already playing at the big league level he was a reliever and a really damn good one for a while and billy bean made a joke the day that they drafted drew my brother that he they had the exact same name andrew bailey mm-hmm. he said they were going to use him as a decoy trade bait to try to fool some other team Right, so Billy Bean makes this. He was rookie of the year in the big leagues, two-time All Star. Yeah. They put his paycheck in my account in 2011. Oh, dude, he, he <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I changed my bank account information. And he was Andrew James Bailey. I'm Andrew Clay, 
and I sent it to the front office in Oakland. I woke up one morning, I had $25,000 in my account. And I was like, okay. I was like, this is cool. I was like, this is cool. Yeah, they, uh, I was thinking, okay, like, um, we had a guy from UNC who ended up getting to the big leagues and who knew him. And I was like, hey, you need to call him, let him know they put his check in my account. So I'm thinking, like, this guy's got custom Nikes and gloves. This guy's at least going to hook me up. The only thing I got out of it was he accepted my friend request on Facebook. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they had that money out of my account in, like, 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, he calls me. He goes, dude, I, I just got, like, extra 25 grand drop. What should I do with it? I was like, you might want to hold on to it. I, yeah. I think they're going to notice that it's in the wrong place here before too long. Man. Oh, man, that was a fun yeah, time, man. Was good. You, oh, yeah, he was feeling that because he, he called you. Oh, yeah. No, he goes, dude, you're never <laughs> yeah, going to believe this back, shit. I went back to, like, $80. <laughs> oh, but he did. He, he had a, a great year in Vermont with the Lake Monsters. Went 5-0, and oh, like a you know, little over 2 ERA. He was dominant, man. He had a good run. He did. Um, and he was a damn good athlete, better than I was. That's for sure. I just like the relationships that it's set up for me. You know, the experience. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one of the biggest mm -hmm. misconceptions in sports is like, okay, you play professionally, that means you can coach. And that's the, that's the worst. That does not mean you can coach. That means you could play. Yes. Now, can you take, those, can you take what you've learned and apply that and, and dumb it down and simplify it and make a kid understand it? Relate it. Right. Yeah. Can you, you have them? Can mm -hmm. Can you deliver the message? Right. And hit home the actual coaching part of it. Yep. I I agree. And and not every. And I hate that only coaches that know how to coach one way. Right. That only look for this type of player, and not being able to be adjustable because I'm going to call the same play for everybody, but that don't mean I can coach everybody the same. Got to be a chameleon. You, yeah. You have to be able to adjust and and make sure different guys can sink in because. My biggest thing is I love when a kid is out there and like wild. I'm like, dude, all right. It's to me, it's all about focusing that and putting it towards a direction. I assume you, as a coach, you already get that though. Right? You have to coach to your personnel. You yeah. know, we can have the best schemes drawn up or how we want to run our offense or whatever. All right, well, teach me your personnel since you uh, championship <laughs> now. Oh, I don't know about me. that. I mean, hey. Uh, well, then we got to talk about the more important aspect of the job now in college coaching, which is dropping a bag. Because at midnight, oh, yes. at, at midnight tonight, man, the markets open up. <laughs> at midnight tonight, the market. I think we got bags dropping already all over college sports right now. Are you excited? I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> so, so, Kyle, I don't think they officially can actually, quote, unquote, drop the bag. Um, outside, so says you. Outside of which, that's already been bags that are already being dropped. Oh, yeah. No, it's just a continuation of bag dropping. Yes. It's always been happening. It's, it's been happening forever. But, like, I think even more, like, extravagantly now. It, I think it might be happening. Now you're going to see somebody's going to roll up in a car. Right. Because uh, now players can just transfer, right? And if somebody's willing to drop a bag on you at some other place and you can just transfer and get a bigger bag, a lot of dudes are going to take it, man. <laughs> They're going to take it. You know, I, I, I'm in favor of this because I don't think there's another reasonable solution out there that doesn't, you know, cap people's earnings and unnecessarily restrict them. And all, you know, all the shit the Supreme Court said last week, like the only option here is to do this and figure out a way to regulate it. You know, you have to it's probably going to take a couple of years for this to get figured out and for, you know, the rules to get sorted out. You know, this stuff like it's not going to be perfect overnight. But what else can you do? Just keep on going the way things were because nobody was OK with that. So. I, I feel like you're asking me this, Kyle. I don't know anybody. You, you want to jump in on? We're this? sitting around yelling. Well, with COVID, the NCA put in a, a one-time transfer for the second straight year. You know, I think it was Clemson had a defensive back who's starting at Georgia now. You know, you you can you've got a two-year window where you can go D1 to D1. You don't have to sit. So now you're ready to go. You know, so I think that opens up. That makes it even worse for the transfer portal. 
Now, if that continues, it's, it's going to be a nightmare. But the NCAA, again, is, is ass backwards because if you go D2 to D1, you know, you, you have to sit. You go down a level, you don't have to sit. So you go Hold to play. On. So if you go up a level, you got to sit. You got to sit. Know that. You go up a level, you have to sit. You go down. So you've been training D1, mid-major, wherever, and you're playing good competition. You're getting even practice reps. And then you go down to play D2, you're good to go right away. You go D2 to, and go up, you have to sit. How does that make any sense? But I think, like I said, with COVID, these guys can go free transfer D1 to D1. That's just going to – I mean, they're going to continue to transfer until something happens. Yeah. So here, my, here's what I want to know. But I was actually I had an exchange with a guy on Twitter earlier from Bloomberg, of all places, who was actually um, reporting on this from the aspect of the Senate. And he had gotten comments from Mitch McConnell and uh, a few other you know senators where the, the thesis of what he was writing essentially was that, um, you know, the NCAA wants to uh, what does he say? I think. Uh, here it is. He says, McConnell says that a federal standard is probably necessary and wants the NCAA to recommend one. He's worried that lost profits will undermine subsidies for sports other than basketball and football. Um, but you got to stop right there. Like, first of all, there's enough money to go around because there always has been. And Jay Billis is 100% right about that, and he always has been. There's always been – since these deals started being signed, there's enough money to go around. But more importantly, are you just saying that if you – it's still – you still need to restrict or, or, you know, cap what these kids can make because you're afraid that you might not pull in the same advertising revenue in your, your stadiums or on your local radio broadcast because that's still not a, like a plausible reason to tell kids how much money they can make. You know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. not – it doesn't make any sense to me. So uh, it, it doesn't make sense. And that's, How is the NCAA losing money by these kids being able to make money on their own name, image, likeness? So they don't, Kyle. And the Supreme Court, like you said, told them – that doesn't work anymore for us or for anybody else. Right. So that's no longer an excuse. And my belief is I I think it's going to be kind of the wild, wild west and the fact that you're going to see a lot of stuff offered. You're going to see a lot of craziness because right now you open up Pandora's box and we don't know what's going to happen because there are no limits on anything right now. And all you know is at, at 12, 12 o'clock tonight, it's a wide open. Right. It's almost like when we didn't know about the internet and when Y2K happened. It's like that movie The it's, Purge where you're like for one day you get to run around killing people. It's not I quite like it's not quite like that. Like, Whoa, but you know what I'm talking about. Like it's just some crazy shit. Like everybody's right. like, what do I do? Everybody's got freedom, everybody's got money. It's like who can I throw this at? Who can I convince to come to my school? So so I think in my biggest thing, and I say all that to say, I don't feel sorry for the NCAA. You had time to get all this and change different things, and you didn't move because you didn't have to. And everybody else has made all this money off of the commodities that are the college athletes. Sure, no doubt. And now that you can no longer control what they can do in a certain way, they're complaining. And the market's going to set itself, Kyle. Somebody's going to make a bad decision by throwing too much money at somebody. You and I were talking and, about that. And then somebody, and then that kid's going to be a bust and not be what they want it to be. And then. You got to understand the people that are that they're going to, which are boosters. It's not coming out of the college's money. Of course, the colleges not. are not paying for that. It's the boosters. Well, so with the boosters, hold on, Kyle. So once they <laughs> can't do certain things and they make a bad decision, yep. And with their investment, because most of these people have a lot of money, they got a lot of money because they usually have made smart business decisions. And if it's a bad business decision to keep paying an X amount of dollar for this type of kid, I'm not going to do that. 
anymore. So the market eventually will set itself. I agree. Some will start to pay and other things. For me personally, I'm going to, if I'm a player, I'm going to, and I already had a car in college, all right? So I'm going to the electronics store and saying, bro, let me get in this commercial. You put them beats in my truck and let me do a commercial. And we're going to pub this thing up. We're going to get everybody around to come here and like come to this place and get their electronics done. And that's how I'm going to get a free seat. That's the NIL stuff that I'm thinking about, my own hustle. That's what I would do as of like in the morning if I'm a player. <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then they also, but my also, my only thing that I would say is I want to make sure I'm happy for these kids. I'm happy for whatever's going to happen. Sure. Because I don't feel bad for the NCAA. And once it's done, I just want to make sure the educational part that we continue to educate these kids and don't just allow them to open it up. But hey, teach them to be business savvy. Teach them that you are your own, um, you are your own brand. How to be a, start your own LLC, right? Because in America, you have way more tax benefits to collect a check and be able to do some different things if you're your own business. Understanding that that that's what you are becoming now when you go into this and continue to educate these kids because. I didn't learn this till I had to. These kids, it's opened up and they don't even know. You know, so making sure we look after our youth as well and the, that the, this really could be a truly a blessing and not a curse. The, you'll like this. So, you know, your boy, Chippy Chip. I love Chip Patterson. So he comes on yesterday and he says something. That's my boy. So I don't know Chip. You don't know Chip. But Chip <laughs> came on yesterday and he said something I, that I thought was really smart. And I couldn't agree with him more. And I think we're already seeing it happen. So Chip says, I don't think that he said people are, are talking too much about the big money deals, right? The big money deals with the big sponsors, with uh, the biggest of the you know, most well-known elite 1% of 1% athletes. Chip said, you, this is going to be less, less dollar figures or less dollars, fewer dollars and more athletes involved. And he said, what I mean by that is he said, you're going to see a lot of athletes from non-revenue sports that might have big social media followings, right? Like a soccer player that has 80,000 Instagram followers or one I think that had a million and a half. Yep. Those are influencer deals, right? These guys that have YouTube channels, they're football players, but they also play video games and people watch that shit on YouTube and they can monetize it. That's no longer going to lose you your eligibility. You know, when Odyssey Alexander takes JMU to the Women's College World Series, well, we're never going to watch her play women's fast pitch softball. I, I, we're just not. But for that run, she could make some money off a run like that. And that's okay now. And I think that's awesome. So for all the problems, like there are a lot of good things about it too. Like there's no reason to keep this under the, the table anymore, right? I mean, there's, I don't understand people who think that way. What does this do to small college athletics though? Well, so one, one thing being a Division two coach we run into all the time is D1, D1, D1. But a lot of guys aren't a fit for that level. So do we start to um, downplay the importance of getting a small college education and being a small college athlete um, because we're seeking out those type of deals? You know, so but that's when I think it's, it's important to circle the people around you, um, hold you accountable and, and, and let you know exactly where you stand in the recruiting process. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you're seeking a preferred walk on spot because you think you're going to get some NIL, NIL money, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> you know, not going to happen. You're not a top percent guy. So. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested, perception's reality. I'm interested to see what the perception of, of small college athletics becomes when guys start making some money. So I think, it, I, I don't think it changes it one bit because you still got to understand, even at the big schools, the big fish are still going to be the ones that eat. Right. You know, 
if I'm an offensive lineman, bro, I'm probably not getting much NIL. Now, me personally, if I was a big fat guy, what would you do, Kyle? I, I am one of those right now, but I have a point about that because I think you'll find it interesting. What about some of these cases like Coastal Carolina, though? Joe Moglia is their, first of all, former football coach. He's now the CEO of the program. He used to be the CEO of TD Ameritrade. The man was worth probably $100 million when he left his post. Well, the fact that he's so CEO he can, of but, a... Exactly, but he can, cash, he can cash flow fund straight up by... I mean, the dude, if he wanted to, could pay a boatload of money through proxy businesses or whatever <laughs> he wanted to just buy the best players to come to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and build a dynasty right there in Conway. I mean, couldn't he do that, though? So all I'm saying is you're right. I think that the, the money is going to make the wealth gap possibly that much larger. But there will be cases of, like, mid-tier Power 5 programs, you know, in some places like that that just have some random dude with a shitload of money who really loves football or basketball or baseball. Like, let's not forget John Grisham, the, the crime author or whatever. He saved UVA baseball. Now, there's no Brian O'Connor National Championships if the acclaimed author, John Grisham, doesn't donate a shitload of money to UVA they because were they were going to shut down their baseball program, essentially. They were going D3. They were going to move baseball to D3. And that was, of course, just straight-up donations. But, I mean, think about some random rich dude at some college who wants his team to be just a juggernaut. Couldn't it happen? Yes. I can't wait. I want to see it. Like, if some, dude's, uh, if some guy's worth $15 billion and he's a Purdue alum – there's going to be the next Drew Brees era at Purdue coming up here pretty soon, potentially. I think facilities are well, – Well, I don't think just dumping money into anything doesn't equate because just because you give somebody money doesn't mean coaching gets better. But you're right. You're doesn't right. Mean, but you can buy a better coach. Uh, they could already do that. Some pe- Purdue doesn't have unlimited money to pay buyouts for well, bad coaches. You just said – you just talked about paying for some players. Right, but they now can. they can do whatever the hell they want. And I just use Purdue as an example. I don't care if it's New Mexico State. If they got some dude worth – I mean, if, who is the, the, the Oklahoma State booster, the oil tycoon? I'm drawing a complete blank right now to come back to me. But you got Bone some – thank you, T-Bone Pickens. You got some big billionaire benefactor. You can make a lot of shit happen. So, I mean, I think it's interesting that there are some possibilities like that on the, on, you know, on the horizon as well that could possibly happen down the road. But, yeah, you're going to – did you see the first one? Some basketball player at Iowa, one of the Hawkeyes players, got the very first NIL deal announced like three hours ago. It's with a fireworks stand in Iowa. They're going to shoot off fireworks, and he's going to shoot three-pointers, and they're paying him to be there. Really? <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, how, it's the most <laughs> random thing ever, but it's kind of cool. Like, that's, that's pretty funny. Well, they deserve to make some money. What would what was Zion? What would he have made? Oh, God. Uh, three, you know, three to four million, five million. Dollars. Right. Ricky well, Henderson told me one time that when he needed money or wanted to get his kids a car or something, he goes – sign autographs at a car dealership for two hours, make 50K, whatever it was. Now these guys, and I like what you said, these guys have an opportunity to make some money. Hopefully the NCAA, which they probably won't, but hopefully there's some type of financial management. There's some type of continuing education for these guys to manage their money. Hopefully there's somebody educating these guys. Investments. uh, Yes, I agree. I I just, but you know they, it's still, that's the part that nobody likes because they still make it to where you just got to kind of get it on your own. I just realized this is the second straight podcast we've done where we have the uh, playoffs as the backdrop. Oh, yeah. Last time. We, dude, we, we said some, Who came back last time? It was a big comeback. The Hawks. The I, got Hawks. Here, I got here and the Sixers, were, the Sixers the were up 26 when I got here. Yes. And the Hawks came all the way back and won it. And now they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. But we're watching Suns and, and Clippers right now. Um, dude, last night, Giannis gets hurt. Trey Young doesn't play. This is – I mean, I don't know what it is. We don't have to talk about the season and everything. But, man, the injuries have been brutal. So – I, you know, that also brings up what the Shaq quote. Did you see what Shaq said? About oh, about that? load management. Well, or which one? I, I saw him ripping players earlier today. Did he rip? 
I didn't know if he was it about load management. Uh, he's. Exactly. I, th I think he mentioned it. I'll double check. Uh, let's find out. But I, I think I saw it on Instagram or something on a graphic. And it was pretty much through the fact that um, he would say that he would he would play a game back to back to you know what I mean back to back. I guess like three or four nights straight because the amount of money they're making for I'll, I'll, X, I'll, yeah, X yeah, Y yeah. Z. Well, I, basically, Shaq gave a very old school kind of you know, old guard answer where he essentially said, look, dude, we got, we get, he said, I made $200 million to play basketball. He goes, I'm, I'm going to play every game if I can. Is that Here it is. He, 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 what he said was, he said, quote, when you're living in a world where 40 million people have been laid off and I'm making 200 million bucks, you won't get no complaining from me. I'd play back to back to back to back to back to back. I'm not knocking what anybody said, but me personally, I don't complain and make excuses because real people are working their tail off. And all we got to do is train two hours a day and then play a game for two hours at night and make a lot of money. So my thought process is a little different. And like Shaq's a very grounded dude. You know, you can tell he was raised blue collar. Father was military. Like he's he's always had that perspective about the world where he he does so many random acts of kindness for people out in public. The other day, he bought some mother a, a $2,500 laptop for a kid. You know, he does that stuff all the time. So he's got a really good outlook on this stuff, I think, anyway. And no, I, I agree. I, so my thing was, I just feel when you are. Nick Batum missed a shot. A shout out to all the Charlotte oh, people. Why, why, don't, why would you do that? <laughs> why would dog. you do that? I got to, dog. He missed the alley oop. He, he missed the alley layup. Come bro. on, man. <laughs> I mean, just say it, dog. It, it, shout out to all the Charlotte people. You know, I did one interview. I, I did one post game right show with him in the, in the studio. He's a great dude. Nicest guy ever. Yeah. Bad Nicest guy. Bad contract. Nice. Yeah. Got bad, it. Yeah. A lot of things. That's not his fault. No, no. I'm taking it. I'm taking it. A lot of things went wrong there. A lot of things went wrong. But a super nice guy. Awesome guy. Awesome guy. What were we just talking about? I, I don't Load know. The playoffs. Management. Oh, yeah. Shaq. Shaq. Yes. The right. general. Dude, his, dude, he is in everything. The general. Papa John's. He's, he's got guys. his hands in everything, yes. man. Five, all that. He's a mogul. LeBron dude. spends a million dollars on his body, though. That's one thing. You know, yes. you're talking about load management. Like, he spends a million on his body. So it's like you have that resource. What do you think you spent? Did you ever keep track of it? No, oh no, I, but it was a tax write-off, so it was pretty good. But really? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, um, nowhere near that much though. But um, I, I agree with Shaq in in the fact of man, when you're on this side of the tracks, right? When it comes to being a professional athlete, when you're on this side of it, retired, and you're doing another job, and you love your job, and you make good money, it's not a big thing. You don't make as much money as you did when you played. Yeah. All right. But you're still making good money, so you're happy. And then you see guys complain about things that are in basketball or whatever sports you're in, and they're making what you made in your whole contract in one year, you know, or turning down $50 million like right? James Harden did. How about like, your boy Ryan Ramchick today? Just broke the bank. Right? I mean, dude. And, like, and like they're, they're making more in one year than what you made in your whole deal. And – you have an emotion about it. So, I mean, when you're on this side of it. Oh, yeah. And you get to have this feeling looking back at it like, man, shoot, I would go out there and play for all that with as much money as they're making. But that's just a game, and that's where it is. Well, see, I think about that, too, because the guys that we always talk about as being some of the greatest of all time. But that, everybody's hurt at this point in the season, man. Nobody wants to hear about injuries and stuff it's, at well, this point. They, I, I don't want to hear about it. Okay. It's part of the game. But hold on it's a minute. A, it's a part of every game. And – this year's playoffs is going to make it different because it's going to be a battle of attrition. What team lasts to the end? That's what I, I agree be. with most of what you just said, but let's be real. We're, we're about to get a Phoenix-Atlanta NBA Finals. What do you think the odds on a Phoenix-Atlanta NBA Finals were before the season? 
Like, that is a product of dudes getting hurt. Kawhi Leonard's not playing. Like, that's a big deal. Right? I mean, there's, did you see – there was like an all-injury team they put out today, all-playoff injury team, and it was depressing as shit. I mean, it was – if you like basketball – I know a lot of people maybe don't watch it as much as – I still love the NBA because I've always loved the NBA, but the, the all-playoff injury team was just – it was sad is what it was. How Where many people that? are happy, though? You know, that is two small market teams have the ability. I, I'm actually enjoying it. I think it's great. No um, Steph Curry, oh, here it is. no Check LeBron. This out. I had a friend of mine tell me, he said, dude, these playoffs suck. He said, there's no star, there's no superstars. Yeah, good players. He's like, Chris Paul, but, you know, Chris Paul, oh. But he's like, but he's not even the best player on the team. It's Devin Booker. He's like, dude. Like, <laughs> not a big basketball fan there. Yeah, he's not a big basketball He's like, no. so if you're not just a big basketball guy, why are you tuning in if there's no true superstars? And I didn't think of it that way, but that's his opinion, and I have to respect it because it's different than mine. I just wasn't, you know. Just well, so I think you're right. It's probably not what the NBA wanted, but there's st- if you get a healthy Trey Young back for the NBA Finals, if they make it, you get Phoenix, Atlanta. I mean, you got Trey Young and Kevin Herter and Clint Capella and John Collins, and I mean, they're players on that Atlanta team. And then if you on the other side, you have Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson, maybe campaign. Like, you got dudes. Like, this is a good series if that's what you get. But this is not the thing anybody thought was going to happen. And, like, look at the injuries. James Harden, CP3, Donovan Mitchell, Kyrie Irving, Jamal Murray, Victor Oladipo, Kawhi Leonard, Jalen Brown, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, LeBron James, Joel Embiid, uh, Miles Turner, and uh, Anthony LeBron Davis. Played. Right, but I'm talking – this is everybody who's done for the rest, missed multiple games. Like, dudes who were actually injured throughout the playoffs, some longer than others, no doubt. But, like, all those dudes missed time, and some of them didn't come back. That's, that's shitty. That's not good. That's not what you want. It's a star league, man. But a lot of these guys have a small window to make money for the rest of their career. Oh, it's fa- yeah. So it's yeah. like, okay, I'm already into a contract. Do I push it and try and play, come back off injury? A lot of guys would. Kobe would have. You know, a lot of those guys. But if you're if you're not on that level, you're not on that level. I mean, you're you're trying to look out for your family and the rest of your career. And it, I'm not coming back early if I think it's it could be potentially career ending. You know, and I'm already inked in a contract, or I'm coming up on a contract year. Rome, I'm probably you, not coming back. Did you see Stephen A. called Devin Booker the next Kobe Bryant? He said, "Like lock it in." I, come on, man. I think Devin Booker, but Kyle, Devin Booker's I, awesome. He's awesome. I not, was I not on Devin Booker's uh, train? Yes, early. Early. You early. were. You were on it early. We I, we both love Devin Booker. Yeah. Kid's awesome. And like I've seen his car game now, those classic cars that he rolls up in before the game. Love Devin Booker. Got no beef with the dude. What? Let's slow down on the next Kobe. I agree. Stephen. I agree. Let's he slow has down a little bit now. Game though, so oh, he's why, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. Say anything comparable, but I mean, I think. Nah, he may, he's he may be excited, man. Sometimes he's tremendous. No, he he's the best. Dude. Shaq's the most dominant player ever. I, I agree. With my you. I opinion. My the only person could stop Shaq is Shaq. But here's my argument, real quick, on that. When those guys played Kobe, MJ, there's no defensive three seconds. You had true big men in the paint. Like, in order to get to the rack, you had to really go hard. Like, now, defensive three seconds, you got some lanes that open up. Back then, those guys could crowd the lane, and it was, it was tough. But, there. you know, all people do, is, all, all people do is, is trash that era of basketball now. Like, I still, I still loved it and love it and miss it a lot of times. But people now just characterize those 90s, like late 80s, 90s NBA games as like rock fights and, you know, 85, 80 slugfest and the game was ugly and boring. I love those games. Well, they actually ran offensive sets, well, played half-court I mean, they, sets. They, now it's, it's just 
it's, isolation and screen and shoot. Well, there's there no there's some pretty good offensive sets that that they do run. I don't want to undersell these guys. It's just a different. The spacing's way different. I mean, everything about the game. You got seven footers shooting threes. That's the norm. They're expected to like. It's just a very different game the way that it's played. But I do love the game the way the game was played back then. And speaking of the way the game was played back then, dude, Scottie Pippen. Scotty, what's fucking, up with Scotty, man? Scotty tripping, dog. Dude, like I, I didn't Scottie take tripping. I didn't take a lot of heat when I said it the other day, but there were one or two people that called me out. They're like, you know, and this, you know, he said, Wait, "Have you heard what Scotty said?" Taking that contract still has his feelings hurt. <laughs> yeah, most underpaid. I mean, he's the most underpaid player for his production. If he went to arbitration like Major League Baseball would, they they still owe him some money. Well, first of all, let's do this. Dude's Very in a true. he's in a bad run right now. Let's be honest about it. He's going through an a, a ugly public or public divorce. He just got drugged through the mud on the last dance. MJ beat him up on the last dance. They didn't like, do him any how favors. How did MJ beat him up? Though? Because like it's not that they could, they didn't have to mention some of that stuff. They did linger on it a little bit too. Like Scotty, not <laughs> him wanting to enjoy his summer and not not getting surgery, you know. And then the you know ninety four game where he refused to go back in after yeah. Kukoc. But you know what? What he forgot about, but we live in the age of the internet, so the internet didn't forget. When he said that, you know, Phil's racist because he drew that shot up for Tony, he said, you know, how are you not giving me a chance to win the game? He had two shots in the previous 30 seconds before that to win the game and threw up a couple of bricks. So he had two opportunities to win the game, and Phil drew the, the play up for Tony, but I guess Phil's a racist now because of it. And I don't know Phil Jackson, okay? I, I'm not going to vouch for a dude that I've never personally met, but – First of all, if your only evidence that Phil Jackson's a racist is that he wrote some nasty things about Kobe in a book one time, you're going to have to give me a little bit more than that. Oh, but I think, I think Kobe will have other teammates that don't always get along with Kobe. Well, no, 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 but, like, but the things that he wrote about Kobe, while they weren't flattering, I think we all understand they're probably true. Like he, he was like, MJ was gregarious, and he liked to play cards with his teammates and hang out with the boys, and Kobe just kind of chilled by himself in the room, and he was kind of isolated. Like, that was who the dude was. Yeah. You know, and so maybe it was you know, not flattering at the time, but like, I don't think that anybody thinks that's an out-and-out -out lie, and I'd certainly never read it as racist. Yeah. So, so I don't know. Again, I don't know Phil Jackson, but I've never heard anybody call him racist. Avery Johnson earlier today was like, yeah, I've never heard anything like that. I thought it was way out there, man. 27 like, years later. He's trying yeah. to stay relevant. And, he's, you know, he's got the book coming out. Yep. And, uh, you know, he's got the book coming out. He's selling a book, right. He, is, he does have a book he's coming out. He's selling a book. And people I are going to buy it. For the, the, the last dance thing. And he also talked about what well, those were Mike's cameras, you know. But did you hear what he said? He, he was it. he was like Mike was doing that so like so Mike was doing it for the cameras which I think there was an earlier documentary or something they were doing at the time, but you're saying that Mike for the cameras was like saying he was going to pass it to Steve Kerr but he really wasn't going to but then he did anyway and Steve still hit the sh like you, <laughs> he was controlling the cameras in the heat of the moment in the huddle in a game that big yeah he knew that the camera was there Mike so was, was also orchestrating the cameras for a later documentary at a later date come on man. <laughs> Mike's the greatest of all time, but I don't even know if he can balance all that at the same time. Come on, man. Give me – come on. So, like, Scotty just seems a little angry right now. That's all I'm saying. The, I agree. Kyle, you – I, I, I hear no lies, bro. Thank you. I hear no lies. I, I don't think that – I just don't think he's in a good spot right now, man. He's, he's got an ugly divorce. He's bitter. I think he's bitter. He's not he's a happy bitter. man. And right, I hope that changes. He already said that he was better, though, than Mike. Like, remember, he, oh, he, said, he said they won the championship because of him. Yeah. That happened before – he called Phil racist. He said that. Right? Still, you guys remember that. Did you like did you hear the interview he did where he called him a racist? What's up, little Rome? The youngest Roman is here. He's also leaving. It all now. comes Goodbye. back to that contract did, he took. Did you hear the did you hear the interview hey, he did with go. Dan Patrick? Thank you. Thank you. 
Your brother just told the whole. What do you say? Team. It all comes back to the contract. Oh he yeah, took. no, he was on a terrible contract. contract. And he was so mad about it. The whole time. And I get it. Like he was, he had a bad contract, but it's a different time, man. If he was in today, uh, he that would have been rectified <laughs> like within a month, in some way, shape, or form. Well, your brother said if. If he was in baseball, they would have this thing in arbitration. They'd still be paying him. <laughs> well, absolutely. He overperformed, overperformed for what he was getting paid. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But, yeah, he's, he's not a happy dude right now. Dude, we got to talk about this because it's like we're a half hour into this podcast. And this – Bill Cosby's out of prison. That just happened. And I did a sports radio show today for four hours, and that is such big news, I felt compelled to stop in the middle of my show on the air and announce that news to my audience. <laughs> Nothing to do with sports whatsoever, but I was like, folks, this is a big deal, and you're probably going to be hearing about this later. <laughs> uh, Bill Cosby's walking out of prison this afternoon, yeah. and uh, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court just vacated his charges, all of them. And Bill Cosby just up and walked home today, and yep. he's back. Hey, look. Uh Yes, that has happened. That happened. That did happen. There's also today. more interesting twists, but what do you think about that? Uh, well, I read up on the the case and why he was able to get out. Oh, right, right, right. Um, it's not like he, all of a sudden he uh, <laughs> any of those things. I was on the air today and I was like, listen, I'm going to present this without commentary because I don't have anything to say about it because I have I don't remember anything about this case and I'm not stepping in shit like that. So I'm just going to tell y'all what happened and then I'm going on about my day. Right. He 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 got a deal. Right. To, to come out and talk about some things and admit and talk The about former prosecutor, Bruce Castor, who was, if people will recall, Donald Trump's attorney in his second impeachment trial, Correct. the guy who kind of got roasted for a not great opening statement, um, that was the former DA who struck a deal with Bill Cosby, apparently, that if he, I guess, cooperated and uh, gave them information, that he would not serve time for what he did. Correct. And by the time, I guess, things got going or maybe Castor left for his next position, a new DA came in, new prosecutor came in, and he did not uphold that deal. But they, I guess, used what they acquired from Bill Cosby, I believe, right. you know, in part of their case, which is now nullifying all of it. And on a technicality, after 60-plus women said what they said, he's out. You know, and so people feel some kind of way about it. They, and, and that's – I've avoided the Internet this afternoon because I don't really want to hear from anybody about that because people are just getting nasty with each other. These are the days social media is really bad for people, yeah, by man, the way. people just want to, like, be mad to be mad. It's not even their life. No. I, I'm not saying he's innocent or anything, but the technicality is the technicality, and – he got it on a technicality. It had nothing to do with evidence. And that's yeah. what people are always going to, to think about this, that it had nothing to do with his innocence or, you know, them finding out he did. Now, his, obviously, his attorneys, his spokespeople today, I watched the press conference. You know, they're all, you know, saying that it was a miscarriage of justice and you know, a wrong has been righted today. And, you know, again, I, I told you earlier, I don't know what happened. I was yeah. not there. That's kind of the stance I take on most things like this because they're very sensitive matters that, you know, a lot of people get deeply hurt by. I don't want to, you know, be the asshole that oversteps, but at the same time, there are people that are going to say, again, there's no evidence change here. He's just out. So people are going to say, well, that's wrong. He should still be in prison because he broke the law. Why does it matter that he's 83 years old and he doesn't have that much time left? Uh, for me, um, being a black man uh, in America, I root for one black man that was able to get out on a technicality just because the judicial system has never been friendly to us. It's hard not to so, immediately think of that, right? Yes. And so for me, it's one of us that was able to get out on because they, that's their technicality. It's not the judicial system did that. And I'm glad that we can actually uphold each other to where, hey, if you do make this deal, you have to honor it. And that it is something to be said when you strike a deal it has to be honored. I don't care who's upset at the end of the day. Can you trust elected officials and right. those you know, you know charged with upholding like, the law to do the right? Like, again, this— To me, 
It's and, a win. It's there a win. That, yeah, there's, there's a people that think a serial convicted rapist is walking free. I defend that all day long just because of our past and everything else. And I get that, And I'm man. not going to run from that. I get, like I told you, it's hard not to immediately yeah. think of that, right? I yeah. mean, that, My biggest thing is just make sure, man, he just needs to go home, sit down, man. Don't say nothing because they looking for a reason to try and lock him back up like they did OJ. The, the, the first time they got a chance to get OJ. They went in locked OJ kind of paraded around a little bit and rubbed it in people's that's faces. That's what I said. He needs to go sit down. <laughs> I mean, go sit down. He, he definitely I don't think did that'll that. be an issue based off the video of him walking. Uh, I mean, he yeah, wasn't. Man, that's what I'm saying, man. He, he wasn't moving very quick. Yeah, man, he's 80-something years old. Dude, I, I can't, like, I, people joked about it when he first got on Twitter and started posting videos and stuff. And, like, it was like a shock to the system at first, and it was kind of amusing. But then it was like, man, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't think I can follow O.J. Simpson on Twitter. Something about that feels wrong. You know, I guess if he pops my, up in the timeline. My boy follows him. He said, dude, he's entertaining as crap. I have no <laughs> doubt about it. There are some dudes on Twitter that you just know they're awful, but you know what? They kind of post some stuff. That, it's almost like looking at a car wreck. Like, dude, like Jose Canseco. always giving advice. That's Roman, the crazy Jose Canseco's dumbass. Pardon my – Jose's going to find me and beat my ass for that. But last night on Twitter, he's posting – I got these uh, hands. I got you. You got you. Thanks. Uh-huh. It's going to take both of us. But, dude, <laughs> Jose Canseco's trying to post something on Twitter about his new business venture last night. He misspells his own name. His own name. His own name. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody commented underneath said, how the fuck do you misspell your own name? It was the first comment because he's the same guy that tweeted about shooting his finger off when he was cleaning his gun. You know, he was cleaning a handgun at the kitchen table and forgot to check to see if there was one in the chamber and blew his finger off. And so, they tweeted about it. Social media allows now, people allow social media to directly impact their life. It's like as, it in their brains. You know, it's like somebody you don't even know impacts how, how you feel, your moods, I how you go you. about I your business. I thought, I thought you might. Uh, I thought you two might lead along like, pretty well. If you're not, <laughs> you're not affecting my family, my, you know, my mental well-being or my pocket, my, you know, my money, yeah. I don't care what you do. You know, I, I, don't, I could care Pay less your what taxes, you do. Buy, buy law, leave me alone. Yeah, I mean. So <laughs> Sounds kind of aggressive. <laughs> that is funny, though. So Jose Canseco really Oh, yeah, that. no, he did that. He but like his name wrong. The thing is, just to type. How did he spell his name? Oh, Consigo? It was like J-O-S-I-Josie. No no, not, no, 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 no. It was, it was the Conseco part. It was like C-O-N-S-I-G-O uh-huh. or something. I don't even know what he was trying to spell. Do you know he's got a twin brother? And they said that he used to send his twin brother to sign uh, autographs instead of him. <laughs> oh. He has a twin brother? That's what they say, oh, twin yeah. brother. Absolutely. Twin brother. Ozzy. I didn't even know that. Ozzy Conseco. His name's Ozzy. He played in the bigs, too. I got to look this guy up. I had a guy trade me. I do lessons, and uh, he's got like a 12-year-old son. It's like son. a Shamrock brother. He's you like, know hey, instead of cash, you want this Jose Conseco A's helmet? So I've got a Jose Conseco A's helmet in my office. Um, next to my my pictures when I played, so that's that's kind of a neat fact, I guess. Okay, but he's, he's you're look. Oh, okay, you, I thought you were looking up Ozzy Canseco right now. I'm going to. Well, dude, but like the whole uh, twin twin brother. What? Oh yeah, no. They, they, what was uh, Cal Ripken's brother? I'm drawing a blank. Billy. Uh, Billy thank Ripken. you, Billy Ripken. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of, of brothers in sports that people don't know about. A lot. Hey, this. I'm so glad I looked at this, Rome. Check this out. So somebody said uh, earlier on the show. They said, "Ask Roman about this." They said he's either going to give a, a, a very strong answer, or he's going to get ra- he's going to get fired up and rant. So it's going to be worth it either way. So did you see what Greg Olson said about tight ends? Yes, I did. You did. I was listening when this. What do you on. What do you think about what he said? Know, oh my God, I wanted to. Oh, let me tell. I people, almost called. Let me tell. I thought you. Okay, so let me tell people what he said. He said. Uh, he said. You know, tight ends are underpaid. It was like it was him advocating for tight ends, but he was like, we got to block the same dudes at left tackles. Do they get paid fifteen million dollars? We got to go against the same corners that the wide receivers do. Those guys get paid fifteen million dollars, but they want to pay us seven million dollars as tight ends. Like I get it. He's a tight end. He's advocating for that, but like, what do you think about it? What do you think about it? I mean, initially, all right, so I understand Greg's going to have his own opinion. But first of all, tight ends don't even block 
like they used to. They're not even asked to mostly. And especially in the ones that make all the money, if he wants to complain about the ones that making the money and who needs to get paid what, then the ones that don't block are the ones that get paid the most, all right? The ones that are like receivers. Like well and and they're not really asked to be to block that much and that's bad coaching if it is. And Yes, the best ones like Kittle that actually do block and catch and receive. Kelsey, Ke- uh, no, Kittle to me. Well, no, no, yeah, I agree. Yeah, does, but I'm saying Kelsey would be in that group, right? Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. But Kelsey's more of a uh, he will block. He's a willing blocker, but just not as good a blocker. Yeah, I think yeah. Kittle's better um, at blocking. Kelsey's good at also no, he's like, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. they're making fourteen, fifteen a year. Exactly. But those are the only two making fourteen, fifteen a year. Yeah, but that's I mean, he's talking about then he has to get open with guys. I'm like, dude. Safeties don't make as much as you do, and we we get paid way less than some of you sorry tight ends. That it feels like such open. a locker room argument, bro, too. I'm, I'm like, bro, you better be happy, dog. Like, you lucky we're not paying you according to your blocking. Some of you tight ends who are, can't play in space, <laughs> oh, they man. don't. They're not great in space. Greg's one of the few that can actually sit up here and talk like that yeah. because he could actually play. But a lot of these slaps – can't play and they don't deserve to make that much money. <laughs> slaps? Yeah, dude, slaps. I call them slap dicks, I mean, but that works. Yeah. And, Austin you know, Hooper made ten million last year. So so I think I think it goes uh George Kittle, fifteen. I looked at this today. Travis Kelsey fourteen three. And then both John O. Smith and Hunter Henry in New England making twelve and a half. Then it's Austin Hooper at ten and a half. And then I think it goes to Zach Ertz at eight and a half and then Gronk at eight. So, I mean, you drop off pretty quick from the $14, $15 million of your guys. Well, how many other good – tell me another good tight end. <laughs> this is what I said earlier. I'm tell like, me one. It I, seems I'm like a numbers waiting. game. With all due respect, Greg, I'm waiting. Okay, like, okay. Those are the ones that get it. You got to tag him in this. It. You got to tag him in this it's on social media. It's just what it is, man. I, I, Were you going to call him today? No, I almost called in to your show. Oh, you did? Were you yeah. listening? I was listening. With was what name? Somewhere. With what oh, no, name? he just straight up calls in. Oh, I used to call in with a different name when try and win Kyle's prizes and stuff. <laughs> and he told me one time, like, Drew, it's get off the, the fucking air. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I know who you are. It was about he, – he, I remember the question. <laughs> hey, we had a rain out, and it, it was uh, name, name a player who's hit more than 40 home runs with three different teams in the big leagues. I was like, oh, easy, A-Rod. I got it. I called in. Yep. I was trying to win. I think I told him my name was John. My brother got on there. I was like, get off the damn phone. Yeah, like, I told him to get off the damn phone. You can't phone. win. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I got this one. I got a question for you playing in the NFL. Okay. Why is it, all right, highest generated revenue, highest revenue sport in, in the world, the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. Why is it you put your body on the line and they get the least guaranteed money? Major League Baseball, straight guaranteed contracts. NFL, I think, what was it, 10 years ago, they cut Peyton Manning at midnight when the, the Colts owed him like 20, 25 million, whatever it was. What is, is that the NFL? Is that the collective bargaining agreement? Why is that? Why is there less guaranteed money in the most detrimental sport to your body? So it's not fully guaranteed because. Um, they got free agency back in the 90s. That was CBA, that deal in the 1993 collective bargaining agreement. They, got, they were able to become free agents. That's when Dion, when all those guys, Reggie White was like the mm-hmm. first like, to be like a free agent. And so to get, they gave up the guaranteed money. So now players could have freely move around and things like that. And now the NFL has just learned how to use it as a benefit. And, you know, where you can sign a guy for four or five years, spread out the money on the hit on the cap. So then that can help you cap-wise so I can get different players of this, that, and other. 
but I only owe them what I what's guaranteed to them. And if the you know I, the the faster I can get you get the books cleaned up from there, or you maybe slip and dip in a certain position, or what I gotta have allocated monetarily to the cap. That's what it is. So they've learned that and use it as a benefit. That's why I don't ever really count it unless it's guaranteed money. I don't care. Guy from the Rams ruined that for everybody. Well, right? but here's the thing, though. quarterback. Isn't... Why? Uh, what did he get? Like eighty-five million guaranteed in that contract? Who? Aaron Donald? No. Oh, um, Sam Bradford. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. yeah he was the last one. He was the yeah. last first-round <laughs> yeah, quarterback, got number one overall pick that got like that super bag. Because then Cam Newton was the next year. He yeah. got like twenty million. Ooh. Sam Bradford made like sixty something out the. But game. don't we both? Don't we all know it's never going to happen in football? But this is because of the nature of the game. It's too right, violent. Right. Right. Guys' careers and are too short. You can't guarantee I, I think, salaries. I don't think you'll ever go to it. I just think guys will continue to get more and more guaranteed money, which to me is cool enough that you can get four years. I wish I was coming through the league now and then be able to have the career that I had because I would have made a boatload of cash just because I would sign now. You know, if I'm drafted, I don't even care where I'm drafted, but maybe get an extension for like four as playing a safety, four years, uh, you know, 50, 60-something yeah. million dollars with – 30 million, 40 million of it guaranteed. You're like, dude, that's set. No, right. yeah, never going to happen in football. It's just the, the owners will never go for but it. All, but all you need is guaranteed money. Like Julio Jones signed an right. extension for like 60-something million dollars. Well, we just talked about Ramchick a minute ago. Like and that's with your agent. That, that's all yeah. contract. Well, that's agent and also your ooh, own talent. Ooh, that reminds me of something interesting. But real quick, the Ramchick thing, like you just said, I don't know what, exactly what the exact numbers were, but it was 90-something mil total, but he got 60, 96. He got 60 plus guaranteed. Yeah, that that that's just, all you. That's that, all you count. That's the other. The other ninety something reported is just like agent fluff. It's a lot of is like incentives. Right. And right. If I make a Pro Bowl, you hit this year, this year, like they can bump the contract. It's up to ninety six million dollars. Yeah, he got the bag. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He got. Well, the he bag. definitely got the bag though. He's like sixty something guaranteed. That's what you count. Yeah, no, it'll it'll never happen in terms of you know just fully guaranteed. But contracts. he's really good. I think he's the best right tackle. Well, one of the best. Uh, top two or three best right tackles in NFL football. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would totally. When agree. I heard your guy on there, somebody said on there that Taylor Moten's better. I think Taylor Moten's a really good right tackle. He ain't better. Well, I don't know if he's better or not, but I mean, he's in the same class more or less, and he's going to get paid. Like they got 15 days to sign him, or he's got to go into the franchise tag. So I don't know what they're going to do. But yeah, the money's the, the money's. You think the Panthers are going to pay him? The money's enormous. It's absolutely enormous. I was going to ask you a question. Just because you know how I am with it with these snakes. Have you seen this story out of Raleigh? I just saw it pop up on my screen here. <laughs> this no, dude, but I heard you talk about it. Today. You, oh, you did? Yes, I okay, did. so you know what it is then. All right, so that's just, I told you the spitting cobra in Raleigh. Never mind. It was a crazy story. I didn't know if you heard it or not, but that, this dude had 70 venomous snakes in his neighborhood. Like, can you imagine living there, finding out you live next to a dude who's got 70 deadly venomous snakes living in the house next door? You got to burn the house down. I mean, what way. the hell, man? You got to burn the house down. How many, how many more snakes do you think are in there? Too many. <laughs> too one many. too many, dude. Like, I, I hate those snakes. I can't I stand mean, them. They, they had to get other snakes that... Why do you need a snake that spits deadly venom at people's eyes? Why, why do you need that? His, why did he have all that? Was he a snake keeper? Guy? These dudes are weird, man. I'm telling you. Like, I, when I, I tweeted the same thing last night when I saw the story. I was like, just light the fucking house on fire. Pardon my language. I had like five or six people unfollow me immediately because snake, these snake people, dude, they get really defensive and they get really upset if you talk about hurting snakes, man. They don't like it. Can I just say this? What? And like... I don't know, man. Uh, maybe I'm off kilter or off key right here, but I don't think he's black, bro. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah. 
<laughs> why, did, why would you say that, bro? <laughs> bro, I just don't know black folks is like cool with snakes like that. Just, I, I know one. That's it. Like, I know, you know one. You know one? He's a good friend of mine. In fact, he shares a lot of very close personality That's traits what I'm with you. I, it's, it's not. Uh, it's John. Not, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I got a buddy who. It's, it's one. I'm glad it's one. That's what I'm like. I want, I'm glad I brought. It I don't up get it, so man. You could break it. People who love you snakes freak me, me out. One. There is one. Can we be honest about people who love snakes like that? Snakes. They're just unstable. <laughs> I don't, I don't fuck with you can't trust people like that. You can't trust people that love snakes like that. I mean, they're just a little unstable, aren't they? Well, they're they're gonna bite you the moment that they're hungry. Dude, I, I had a buddy in college, right? <laughs> we didn't live together. You're not buddies. He had a little ball python. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that, no. Yeah, but these dudes think they are. This dude had a ball python in college. He used to go out and get hammered all the time. He would get, come home <laughs> wasted, get out his snake from the thing, the little thing, and play with the snake, and then pass out drunk, and the snake would just get lost in the house for days. And you can sit down on the couch, and there might be a ball python in the couch. Who wants to come to your house when you got random ball pythons laying around? Like, <laughs> who does that? I'm not comfortable, especially where's the snake at immediately. If you don't know the snake is. I'm not I going in your house. Here. I'm not, not going in your house. Yeah. No, it's okay. No, it's, I thought somebody I somebody else had to see that, that story. Was, uh, that was in Raleigh, right? That was in Raleigh? Yeah, it was in Raleigh. Oh, you know what? Hey, this is what I was going to ask you, too, because I, I want to make sure I didn't forget it this time. The NC State thing. What did you think? That's That was one of the three biggest stories in America. And I want my brother to talk about this because, well, both of you, obviously. But, Roman, I want to know what you thought about it, too, because you cover college sports for a living. And that's not an easy thing to talk about doing what I do, either, because we're talking about kids being vaccinated. And you know that, you know, people feel some kind of way about that. I, I do, and I, I don't even know if it was the kids initially that got them all in the, the program. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's the kids or somebody outside that came in. But anyways, to me, I'm just like moving. I don't know anything about the state of North Carolina. I just got called to work here and decided to live here because it's easy to raise family. And like, so I don't know about these colleges, all right? But what I've known about NC State since living here in the state of North Carolina is that they always do some quote unquote NC State type of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the most NC State type of shit I've ever seen in my life. I mean, you got a chance to go to the chip. Yep. You got to win one game, bro. Yep. And you already beat Vanderbilt. You, they had to beat you twice. Twice. All right. They, they were the hottest team in the, offensively. Yes. But here's the thing the protocol said that if you were vaccinated, you weren't supposed to be tested. But, the, yeah. yeah. The ones outbreak. that were tested were the ones vaccinated. Those were the ones that popped. They were not supposed well, to be tested. Well, no, 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 no. There, there was a, there's a thing about that, though, because Kendall Rogers reported on that. The reason they were tested was because, according – and this is just the championship medical team's protocol. Once a team reaches four positive tests, they constitute that as an outbreak. Then everybody gets tested. That's why. It, it wasn't that they just tested vaccinated kids first because you're right. If you were vaccinated, you weren't subject to the same kind of routine testing. Actually, not at all. But because they had four and then I guess more eventually eight total. But once they got to four, it triggered their quote unquote outbreak protocol. And that's when they apparently tested everybody. That's what they say. And that's what they told Kendall Rogers, who covers, you know, D1Baseball.com. But either way, it still begs the question of who got it first, where they get it from. And the fact that out of 64 NCAA championship events, only two of them were in a bubble, men's and women's basketball. So the other 62, just like this, was a quote-unquote controlled access event, meaning, yeah, you're trying to control the players and maybe the umpires and the, and the, the people that are there on the field, but you got 24,000 people in the stands that aren't wearing masks, and you don't know if any of them are vaccinated or what percentage are, and those same fans are staying at the team hotels. They're riding the elevators with these players. They're going to meet and greets and send-offs and everything else. So I, where did it come from? I don't know. 
And you get the whole thing now where the NCAA, after going through all the protocols to test these kids, they were working hand-in-hand with the Douglas County Public Health Department, which is where Omaha, Nebraska is. Mm-hmm. The NCAA apparently tried to throw Douglas County under the bus and say they said to, to shut down NC State because it was a public health crisis. And D- Douglas County said, no, we didn't. No, 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 we didn't tell you to do that. So they're saying the NCAA lied and tried to throw them under the bus. Lawsuit coming. There's, it's not over. Like I don't think it's going to be as big a headline, you know, three months from now. But there's, it's not over. There's, wow. People I, are mad, dude. They're threatening lawsuits and everything else. So, but people that there are a lot of people, as you know, that will just simply say, well, you know, the whole thing could have been avoided if everybody would have been vaccinated. Because Vanderbilt was, Vanderbilt's team was vaccinated, you know. But that's they're a private school, so Tim Corbin can, you know, do some things that other schools like can't. Well, I mean, the, he, NC State's a land-grant state university, man. They're still subject to state laws in a way that Vandy isn't necessarily. You've got I'm, a couple of HBCUs in uh, North Carolina, I believe, maybe Livingstone. I, I can't speak on exactly which one that are requiring vaccinations before school starts back. You right. have to be vaccinated or you're going online. I can't remember which institution. but right. Oh, because of a private school. You, you have to be vaccinated ah, okay, okay. or you're going online. Um, so that, that, that's a shitty situation, getting that far coaching that long and then just have it taken from you. I mean, um, but that was leading to my next question for you. How do you, you know, your identity, obviously not your identity, but a lot of who you were for the longest time was, was a football player. And when you're done playing, mine was a much smaller scale, but you know, how do you not, not, how do you stay competitive? And I guess, did you ever have a time where you're trying to really figure out, like, what, what's your purpose when you're done with football? Yes. How do you stay competitive? Because I know that's why I coach, because right. I want to stay competitive. I want to be able to have an impact um, and, and serve other people around me the way people did me. But what, what, what's your mission? What's your, what, what's your purpose, you think? Yeah, man. So, so Wes, man, that great question, because you don't know this about me. But so when I retired, look, when I was getting towards the end, after my 10th year, I was like, I'm, I'm cool if I, if I thought I was going to win a Super Bowl in Carolina and I was going to retire. I was cool. And then we lost. And I literally was like, and I'm a man of faith, so I was like really praying about it because I was like, dude, I thought that was like my it. That, that was my like mm-hmm. send off. Right, right. And then I ended up going back to New Orleans playing, but I knew like I was ready to be done. I didn't care that much about it anyways. So when I was done, I took 365 days and did absolutely nothing one whole year. You deserve that. I, I want to decompress. I want to really get away. I actually want to like figure out what the hell I'm going to do with my life outside of like, I know I'm Roman Harper, like the football player, but that's just one chapter of my life. Like that's your platform, that, right? That That's not who I am. My book's still very young. So I was 30 foot, 34, 35, 35, maybe 36. I can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> that doesn't even which is a long NFL career. But, like, right. you've, you've told me this before, and I'm, I'm glad he asked that question because when you think about that mindset change, that transition that you had to go through, you know, you had a very different experience than most because you played at the highest level and you hit the pinnacle of it. But just think about being an NC State player. That was your final game. Your final game. And you had no idea. Yeah. And, and that's the way your career ends. And you never – I mean, you might play on Sunday league, but you never get to play again. Right. That's a horrible way to have your career end. That stinks, That's dude. terrible, dude. It's a gut punch, man. It really – but it – at the same time, man, it man, pressure, like they say, pressure bust pipes, man. When you go through something like that, man, once you harness that pain, bro, and it, it can propel you too. That like you go through some bad times in sports. Mm-hmm. The thing that sucks, let me tell you, everybody always talks about the great days and the good old days. And sometimes when you're living in the good old days, you don't even recognize how good it is. 
whether that's in high school, junior high, little league, for some people, that was their highest point. Mm -hmm. You don't never know when your high is in sports, all right? But, man, sports teaches you also at the, every level about what pain is, what it stinks to lose. And when you get disappointment, sports, Wes, you know. Handling man, adversity. 90% 90, 90 of it, dude, is failure. Yeah. It, it ain't going right. You're getting corrected all the time. Practice stinks. Like, the highs of the – I mean, the wins, the great wins, the highlight play, that's like 10%. Handling adversity is everything. I tell my guys all the time, like, look, life's going to get a whole lot harder. Yeah. You know, you think this is hard. You had a bad day on the mound or at the plate or whatever. Like, wait till bills start coming. Wait till you you got people that rely on you to, yeah. to eat, to breathe. To, yes. I mean, you know, you, you need people. You got to take care of your family. Like, now, but that adversity is what helps you become a better father, a better yes, husband. I think sports teach you so much, you know. And, I think about uh, that sometimes, too, because, like, I, I look at – she's three – my daughter's three and a half months old, and I look at her sometimes, and I'm like, you know what? I think of all the things that my dad tried to tell me or my mom tried to tell me, and I was either too dumb – too impatient or just too distracted to to take it in and it's like man you really want to be able to make them know certain things as early as possible so that things go either smoother for them or they're better at things and they can avoid shit but it's like how, how are you going to teach like I didn't want to hear it like you know that it was hard for you to learn certain stuff and that you had to go through certain and so it's like he's talking about teaching kids where it's like you think you know a bad day on the mound is bad you know, stuff gets real. And, it like, does. that's that's the stuff that's uh, – I think that's what sets great coaches apart when you talk about that ability to teach. And, you know, I know that you loved a lot of the coaches that you played for, and I heard some of the kids talking about uh, playing for Elliott Avon and the fact that, you know, one I think one of them said that, hey, this was his third World Series appearance and, you know, he might not get back and this just got robbed from him and everything else. And, man, it's that's a hard way to go out. That's, I, was, I rolled over Saturday morning at 6.30 and I saw that update and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I couldn't believe 115 it. in the morning. They, they, 115 in the morning, you drop that news on people. And then they were bragging about – and then they continued, the NCAA continued to push out um, how many fans were in the stands about attendance. They were bragging about attendance about in, after they just sent NC State home because they were sitting record attendance. Well, here's the thing. They let them come back out on the field and take a picture before they left. So they can't play baseball, but you're going to let the whole team come back out, take a picture on the field, walk through the tunnels. That, that, that whole situation. Well, and try, and try making this make sense, too, because the, some of them are mad about this. I think it was eight of their 27 players tested positive, so just shy of a third of the team. They took, I guess, all of them back to test. There were 10 others that, I guess, had been in contact tracing, quarantine, or whatever else. When they played that game on Friday shorthanded against Vandy, 10 of those guys went and tested, and they tested negative. All 10 of them couldn't get before them back the game, in time. and they wouldn't let them come back. Couldn't now, get them back in time. You understand maybe that's because you're afraid of false negatives, and maybe one of them actually has it. I understand, but imagine being 21 years old and trying to play for a national championship, and you just tested negative, and they're telling you you still can't go back and play. Imagine trying to tell some how competitive you were at 21 years old and somebody telling you you tested negative, but you still can't go back and play for a national championship. Uh, man, it's heartbreaking Kyle, I mean, for these kids, first of all, these kids have sacrificed so much. Yeah, no, no doubt. Just to even get through this whole season. And last year, dealing with COVID, they, their season got cut short. So um, having to deal with all this, yes. I know we, we, we got to wrap this up. Yes, but how, how funny is that, by that the way? That is awesome. The Ball Brothers doing big things. How funny I mean, is that? It's for as much as you don't want me to say this, Kyle. His daddy kind of right. Bro. You mean I don't want you got to you've got to stop painting me as right a LeVar Ball hater. I mean, he called it. He said Lamelo was going to be the rookie of the year. He called it. He did. He called hey man, it. LeVar. He can play. He can play. <laughs> he can really play. He can. And like player. I looked up, I guess last week, and I saw the, the ad for the first time. Lonzo had a great year too this year. He did. Um, he's a free agent. 
He's, there's some talk. I'm just saying there's some talk about letting them play together. There's yeah. some talk. I'm just saying that's out there a little bit. But we'll leave that on the table. But, no, the commercials they did together are good, man. Like, he's such a fun kid. I mean, he's got a – look, man. We, I've heard everybody say it. LaMelo Ball has more, has more followers than every professional team organization here in Charlotte, North Carolina. So the one thing I will always remember that, that kid for. You know, he's got power. He's got influence. He Thank y'all. The dial. Have a good day. Wear y'all mask. <laughs> <laughs> that because dude, Sam Farber, the the radio play by he plays it at the end of every Hornets broadcast, or he did Does throughout he? the season. At the end of the broadcast, before they sent it to me for the post game show, it would hit at the end, and it would be Lamelo going, "Thank y'all. Have a good day. Wear y'all mask." <laughs> <laughs> And it was just an awesome way to end every broadcast. But, man, we got to go. This is fun, dude. Oh, this is awesome, this man. This is fun. Hey, thank you. No, thank you for having me on. Yeah. Absolutely. It's good to have you, buddy. Oh, you know what? Just one more thing. Congratulations on your championship, too. Oh, thank We you. probably didn't give enough credit to you and your team uh, for being here, but uh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It means a lot to our school, our community, and um, I think it's a battle I always fight, but further trying to diversify baseball. Yeah. You know, that that's a passion of mine, trying to make it a more diverse setting. And I'm at a perfect place to do that. So we'll continue to fight that fight. For sure. Bluefield State. <laughs> D2 baseball. It's a place to be. <laughs> you gotta, you Why gotta, are you laughing at me? Because I, I think you when you get home, you're going to cut that part out and then clean it up. Gotta I mean, I almost feel like it would be inauthentic to cut it out, though, don't you? Don't do it. Don't do it? Then they'll hear all of this. Should they, though? Yeah, I mean, you're the only real professional here. Kyle. I don't know about all that, and man. you're the one that effed it up. <laughs> now, now you're going to censor yourself? Yeah. All right, cool. We got to go. I'm going to send an anonymous email to his boss. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm sure nobody will respond to it. This this has been the uh, the Frank Thomas big hurt of, of Bailey and Harper episodes, the uh, Christian Okoye Nigerian nightmare of episodes. Had a good time, boys. We'll do it again soon. For my brother, Drew Bailey, Bluefield State, go Big Blue. Roman Harper, I'm Kyle Bailey. Work hard, be nice to each other.